the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Good morning. Welcome to everybody in our church family and potential church family, guests of our church family. If you're joining us here in person or online, we're just thankful for this opportunity. I hope you feel the welcome. I hope you feel like we've welcomed you into our living room or maybe even our kitchen. Is, that, is, is there anybody else here? Is that how it is at your house? Like everybody ends up in the kitchen? That's how it is at our house a lot. I have no idea why. All the people, all the dogs, it's like right there. There's plenty of space other places, but you're, it's right there. But this is a holy spot, which is scripturally, of course, means set aside. It's for a specific pers- purpose, but we, we always want this to feel like home. We want this to be, you're, you're in the kitchen. Is that cool? I, I hope you know that. And it, 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 let us know how we could make that even more so. So what, what we're talking about this next series that begins today is remembering again together that our faith has to be authentic. And that means two different things. One, it has to be based in truth. It has to be accurate. We have to be basing everything that we do on Jesus himself. And we just spent a couple of months really focusing on that. So I hope that's fresh in everybody's mind exactly what Jesus himself said and did and set up the church to be. But the second thing is we actually have to live it. If we're really authentically living by our faith, that means what we say we believe is actually how we live our lives. Um, I, I, could, I could try to, um, I don't know what the word would be, pretend, identify? I, I don't know. I could pretend to be taller than I am or that I still had hair or several other things. But I've got to be real. I've got to be who I am. One of the things that is who I am is a musician. If you, if there are people in this room, people that were on the stage here this morning that play guitar better than me. But if you watched me play guitar, you'd go, yeah, that guy actually can play the guitar. That's real about me because I've just spent years and years and years doing that. But for me to remain an authentic musician, I've got to keep playing music. I can't just look back to the past. Does that make sense? Just kind of laying that simple foundation. This series is called Throwback. And what we're doing is we're going back through the eras of the church. And I, I know some of you already groaned, oh, no, history, please. I, I'm one of those rare nerds that actually really likes history, but this isn't a history lesson. I'm not going to give you a test or anything like that. Here's, here, I'm, I'm just going to spoil it and tell you exactly where this is going. I believe with all my heart that this could be the generation that finally gets the job done. With everything that's come before us, And all the technology and all of the opportunities and the communication things that are available to us today, all the education that's available, we've got more in our back pockets that whole colleges used to have, okay? There is zero reason that we can't reach every nation in our lifetime. But to do that, we've got to realize that the church has had a chance to do that ever since Jesus walked on the planet. The last 2,000 years, there's been a church. And several generations got pretty close to reaching the world as they knew it. They never quite got it done. I believe we can. But to do that, we've got to look back at the past and look at us right here, right now, and look toward the future with wide open eyes and ask God, what do you want us to do? What can we learn? What, what can we learn that was good? What can we learn that we must never, ever do again? Or we must never, ever not do again from looking back. But as we look forward, we want to know exactly what God's will is. Does this make sense? This is where we're headed, and I'm excited about it. 
The first followers of the way were the original believers that followed Jesus. It was the disciples. It was Jesus' mom. It was about roughly 120 other people. And then within just about 50 days, roughly from when Jesus came back to life, there was the day of Pentecost and the church officially started. How many have heard of this before? You know what I'm talking about. Even last week, we reviewed a little bit about what that looked like. But what made this original church so amazing and so powerful was a couple of things. One, the Holy Spirit of God was moving among them. In them as individuals and among them as a body. The Holy Spirit was empowering them and they were using the gifts that he was giving them. Another thing was they actually just lived it out. However much they understood of what Jesus had said, they just made that part of their life. They devoted themselves to this stuff. And that is why we keep going back to Acts 2 and Acts 4, because we've always got to refine our strategies and our dreams of trying how to obey Jesus against that really good example. But at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit arrived, and then in Acts chapter 2 to 4, you see them, uh, this is almost a quote of what happened. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching which was everything about Jesus, when he said how to apply that, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And they shared everything among them, so nobody was in need. They lived out all of that stuff Jesus had said about giving and not expecting repayment and loving your enemies and taking care of orphans and widows and all of that stuff. That was actually part of their lifestyle. It wasn't just something they thought was really cool or some side ministry that a few people in their church did. This was how they did it. This is how they lived. They had become that ecclesia, that, that, that group with intention that Jesus had asked them to be. Let's review that really quickly. If you were here last week, we just read this again. Matthew 16, verses 16 and 19. Jesus asked his disciples, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. In other words, the Savior, the Christ, the only one who can save us. You are the son of the living God. The only one who can make that claim and it actually be authentic, actually be real. In other words, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And under the earth. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, this bedrock, this foundation, this idea that I am the Christ and the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The next part that, that he says here is, is so interesting. Uh, people have even fought over this over the years. I, I don't want to start a fight here this morning. It's actually a very simple concept. As with all things in the Bible, there's probably layers and layers and layers that none of us will ever totally understand. But the core concept is easy. He says this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I got a lot of questions, but again, the core concept is pretty easy. If I gave you the keys to my house, 
It doesn't matter which. There it is. Okay? If I give you the keys to my house, and I said, hey, I'm going to be gone for a couple days. I'm putting a lot of trust in you. I, I, I'm, I'm expecting that. I, I'm saying you're like family. You're like, there's something important here. And while I'm gone, the responsibility of taking care of my house, my dogs, my whatever else, that, that, that's you. If I'm giving you the keys, I'm giving you real responsibility and real authority that matters a lot to me about something that matters a lot to me. Does this make sense? If I give you the keys to my car and let you drive it, I'm putting a lot of trust in you. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know that I'm going to be liable for anything you do wrong in my car. Whatever you do in my car, whoever you hit or don't hit or whatever, that's going to come back on me. But I'm giving you the keys. I'm inviting you to participate in my life. I'm going to sign the checks. Does that make sense? And when Jesus says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, whatever else that may mean in different churches understand it slightly different, but that's the core idea of it. And that's really the simple truth of what it's about. He's saying, you're going to participate with me in this. What you do as the church is what the world is going to see I am doing. What you do is going to determine what people think that I am. What you don't do is what people are going to think that I don't care about. You're going to be in charge of this project. And that is terrifying, isn't it? But it's also invigorating. Can you remember the first time you got the keys to the family car? Oh, you adults, some of you teenagers, it just happened not too long ago. It's so exciting and it's absolutely terrifying all at the same time. We have the keys to the kingdom of God. So we've got to take this seriously. In Acts chapter 5 through 7, they started hitting some hiccups. And they started having to deal with some problems. And thank God he stepped in, just like somebody teaching their kid how to drive. God stepped in and he helped them out a little bit. A few people even got struck dead and stuff just to prove that there was some authority behind these guys. That God, God still owned the house and the car even though they had the keys. But it kept on going. It kept building. In Acts chapters 8 through 9, there's persecution starts breaking out. And they actually get stronger. They actually grow. And one of the most ironic things that ever happened, and God loves irony if you haven't figured that one out yet. But one of the most ironic things ever is Saul, the main guy who was persecuting them, gets his name changed and his heart changed and his soul changed and his whole worldview changed. And he becomes Paul, who ends up starting a lot of churches and writing most of what we now call the New Testament as letters to those churches. God just kept expanding this thing he called the church more and more and more. In Acts chapter 10 to 12, Peter, God bless him, messed up again. And him and a bunch of other people, they started getting inward focused again. They started focusing on trying to keep the laws of the Jews more than reaching more people. So God stepped in again and he used this guy named Cornelius and Peter himself and they changed the course of history again. And that's why most of us are here today because the church kept expanding outward. It's an exciting story. It's a beautiful story about God interacting with the people that he had given the keys to. 
Sounds a lot like us today. We get distracted. We get inward focused. And then we get reminded, oh, wait, it's not what it's about. And we get out there again. I'd like to ask a couple questions. I'd like you to just think about this for a second. I don't have an answer for them. The only answers that we have are just honest questions that you can answer to God and yourself. But the question that we can't ask is if God wants us to reach out or if God wants us to try to literally reach the entire planet. The question is how and when and where. What exactly he wants you to do about it and some other great questions that we should always be asking ourselves is who gets left out if anybody does get left out maybe we don't do it on purpose but who gets left out in our community that should be our highest priority reaching the people that nobody else is reaching yet if only one thing gets done what is that around the church is it that the church building gets cleaned there's coffee What is it that no matter what, this gets done? Because that's probably our highest priority. Are they the things Jesus said needed to be our highest priority? And I'm not saying this in any kind of condemnation or, or trying to defend ourselves. I'm just saying these are questions we should constantly be asking. Are we getting it right according to what Jesus did, according to the example of the first church? How and when and where? And what? Not why or if. In Acts chapter 13 through 28, suddenly you see that the entire map is covered with churches. In, in the book of Revelation, they talk about seven churches. There were a lot more than seven. There were seven churches that were probably more influential. And seven is always a very symbolic and holy and perfect number in the Bible. So he chose those seven for a whole bunch of different reasons. But there were a lot more than seven. They had reached pretty much the whole Roman world as they knew it. They had reached this. And mostly because they kept their focus where the focus needed to be. There weren't any branding in those churches. There wasn't a first this and second this. There wasn't a this hill and that mountain and that valley. There weren't all kinds of, there was just the church. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And even the symbols they used, I don't know if you knew this or not, but it took them almost 400 years for anybody to start using a cross as a symbol of Christianity. It was just still too offensive of a symbol. It would be like us wearing t-shirts that had an electric chair on it or something. We're just like, what is, why? Why would you do that? What, what are you trying to say? You know what they used most of the time? It was that ichthus fish. And there's a reason Kind of the reason was Jesus did a lot of fishy things. And I don't mean fishy as in sketchy. I mean fishy as in they had to do with fish. He, he recruited fishermen and told them he'd make them fishers of men. He fed people with fish several different times, several different groups of people. He used uh, Jonah as an illustration over and over. But the main reason was this was what their faith was 100% about, was Jesus himself. And the Greek word for fish you probably know this, but just in case, is ichthus. In the letters, they use it as an acronym for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Each letter of the Greek letters in the word fish 
are an acronym for the Greek letters of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. So the reason, the fish symbol was a way for them to visually depict everything that we do is about Jesus. And not just Jesus that he's a guy we like, but who he is. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the one. And that's our only creed. That's our only symbol. It's Jesus is who he is. Everything we do is built on the bedrock of who Jesus is. May that always be what we and any other church that tries to follow Jesus in any capacity, may that always be our deepest symbol, not necessarily the fish, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior. I get passionate about this stuff. Everybody take a big, deep breath. Listen, we're going to be all right. Here we go. In the book of Revelation, he writes, Jesus writes through the prophet John, John the Revelator, he, he, he talks to him, and, and he has letters for these churches. And they all follow a pattern. You probably know this, but I think this is another thing we should constantly be doing. The, this whole series, I won't, I won't walk through every single one of these, but this is one more thing I hope that as we go through this, we'll be praying these things together, asking God real questions. Because every letter to the churches in Revelation went something like this. I am the one who, this, and I have seen this. I, I see this great thing that you're doing. This, I see that you're strong in this area. I see that you bless. You haven't forgotten this. This is good. And then the next thing is, nevertheless, I have this against you. There's a, there's a problem. I need you to fix this. You're not doing this. You're doing this too much. You forgot about this. You're really, really way too, cur- too serious about this. And then there's always some sort of a conditional promise. And this is on top of any of the things that are just available to any human ever who tries to follow Jesus. He says, if you, the church at Pergamum or the church at Sardis or the church at Laodicea, if you do this, then I will do this. And we can't read into scripture. We can't make a whole new scripture. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I, I think it's worth Noting that pattern and praying that as a church over and over. And praying that as as individuals. Who is God to us? Who is God to you individually? For me, for example, this is probably too much information. But as I go through this, some of the deepest things that God is to me is he's the one who knows more and knows better than me. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm passionate about knowing whatever the truth is. But I, I know that God always knows more than I know. With, and even if I don't understand something, I know he does. And I, I'm a creative person. And I love that he is the creator. And whatever broken, twisted version of being a creator that I may be, it points back to who he is. And I love that about him. And I connect with him through creative pursuits. Is this making sense? That's, that's me very, very personally. But as a church... Who is God to us? That's something we should know. And God says, I have seen this. And I'm not going to walk you through every part of me, but these are things. What do you think God sees when he sees Morrison Hill? What does he go? Yeah, there you go. That's it. Woo, I love that one. 
And what do you think he would say about, well, still though, nevertheless, this. You're forgetting about these people. You're not getting this done. This thing that you're doing, I I actually really don't like. This thing over here, I just really, really don't. And what do you think he might be telling us? If you do this, here's something else I have in mind for you. Brothers and sisters, I'm simply asking you to pray this with me over the next several weeks. I'm asking you to pray those prayers. God, show us. Show us. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, you've said that you're inside of us. You speak through your word. You speak through your people. You speak in our hearts. Speak to us. Show us exactly what you want next. And watch what would happen. Can we do that? I I believe this is God's will. I I believe us constantly going back and never, never just resting, never just coasting. It has to be, it's going to be, we're never going to get the job done unless we stay at it, unless we fully, fully engage. Recently, I've been sharing a lot of thoughts from a guy named Mike Frost. I don't think he's the ultimate new prophet or anything. He's just very practical, has a lot of awesome stuff to say to make it just livable. I'd like to share uh, something that he said. We, We mentioned this last week, but in a very practical way. He says, we must develop habits that propel us into the world. In other words, there needs to be rhythms in our lives, things that we just do over and over and over again that actually help us live out what we say we believe. That's what makes us authentic. If we say we believe we should do it, but we don't. For example, here's a couple things. Um, so how many here think it's, it's we should eat well? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand how many eat well every single meal, every single day. But I know that some of you probably do eat well most of the time, most of the time because you actually care about that and you really do believe that. That's an authentic faith you have, right? How many think that it's a good thing to get some exercise? Okay, again, I'm not going to raise your, ask you to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But not everybody who believes it's a good thing actually goes out and works out, right? If we're going to do this, we actually have to have a habit. And I'll tell you right now, I do believe it. I do work out. I try to eat well. But there are days that I don't work out. And those are the days when when it's 4 o'clock and I'm supposed to head to the gym. Something else came up. And for whatever reason, I said, well, I've got to get that done first. I don't work out that day. Generally speaking, I work out. But I only have a small window when I can do it. If I don't do it then, it doesn't get done. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? I have a habit, and that habit drives it. And the reason that I do work out most of the time is because I have a habit. And what Mike Frost says is that's how you get God's will done in your life. You figure out a way, a time, a place, a rhythm where you just get it done. Here's, here's a cool acronym that he has. It's, it, he uses the word bells. Everybody say bells. Say it one more time. Let it kind of ring. Bells. Good. Okay. Here's what it, here's what it means. We'll, I'll come back to this several times, and I hope this makes as much sense to you as it does to me. But this is a practical application of what we're trying to say. He said, every week, what if you just chose to bless three people? And bless means you help somebody else connect to God. When Jesus said, blessed are these people, it means they have a deep connection to God because of that thing. 
Okay? So maybe you, you pick one person in the church and one person that's not part of the church and one other person of your choice, but you go, I'm going to do something tangible for somebody every week that, to try to help them connect better with God. That would be the bless. Does that make sense? Just three things over the course of the week, but you figure that out. Second thing, um, he said we, we need to eat. How many like to eat? Okay. Eating is one of the best ways to fellowship. You just say, hey, at least once or twice every week, I will actually get together with someone else who's a believer and eat with them. And probably just some natural sharing will happen, some natural stuff will happen just because we ate together. I will learn. I will keep learning. I will make it a priority to come to church on Sunday morning, go to a group that mentors me, uh, listen to podcasts that take me in the direction of Jesus. Somehow or another, I'm going to keep learning, especially in the direction of Jesus, especially in the actual words of Jesus. I'm going to keep coming back to the Gospels over and over. No matter what else I study and how deep I go in other directions, I'm going to keep coming back to Jesus. And I'm going to keep listening to the Spirit. I'm going to make it part of the rhythm of my life that there's a spot every day where I can sit there and just be quiet. Not even study, just listen. And ask God some questions like, what do you see in me that's good? What's your nevertheless? Is there anything that you would do different if I did something different? Sound familiar? But you actually listen. And then we send. We send each other. We send ourselves. We actually go. We get, the, get that sending job done. Bells. B-E-L-L-S. Does that make sense? And that's not the only way to do it. That's not in the Bible. That's just Mike Frost's personal acronym. But it can be that simple. And I hope, this is brothers and sisters, this is what I'm asking us to do as we start to seek God over the next couple of weeks. So what do we do about all this Jesus stuff? I want you to pray and find some ways that you can make it just that tangible in your life. If you can't think of something else for yourself, use the bells thing. If you can't, God can honor whatever you do, but make it a habit. Are we good? Okay, we're about to wrap up here, so please, if you're getting a little tired or whatever, take another deep breath. Let's go. We got this. We got this. Jesus told an awesome story about uh, a sower sowing seed. How many have ever heard that story before? So I thought. So I won't tell the whole story, but I think you know how it goes. The guy sows the seed, some falls on a path, and it gets taken away by birds before it ever does anything. Some of it grows up among rocks, and it, it kind of grows quick, and then it dies out in the sun, doesn't have roots. Some of it grows up really quickly, but it gets in, in thorns, it gets all tangled up. And some of it is in fertile ground, and, and so it grows really, really well. This is my challenge to you today. If you want to be the kind of believer, the kind of church that actually makes a difference, we have absolutely got to make sure that we keep coming back, hear me, coming back to wherever the seed is being sown often. Not as a ritual, not as a religious thing. We're going to appease God by showing up at church. But you're figuring out, whether it's here or any of the other places that you can learn about Jesus, you make sure that you're constantly getting seed sown into you. Does this make sense? 
And then you're also going to figure out what are the rocks when you go to God and when you talk to the Holy Spirit. And we say, please, would you please show me? Ask him to show you what to get rid of and get rid of it. Get rid of those rocks. Get rid of those thorns. And when the fertilizer starts getting dumped on you, and how many know that fertilizer is gross? Own it and say, it's okay. I, I, I just want to grow. I just really want to produce what you want me to produce on this planet, Father. I, I really want that. Help me to endure. Help me to put down the roots. Help me to grow up. Help me to bear fruit the way you want me to do that. And that intentionality is going to change everything. And then Jesus can say, like he did in Matthew 13, 16, blessed are your eyes because they see. And blessed, connected to God, are your ears because they hear. I'd like you to say something out loud with me. Let those church bells ring. Would you say that? Let's say it like it's, like it's a cheer. Ready? One, two, three. Let those church bells ring. I want to clarify something. As we start to go through the eras of the church, I want you to remember there wasn't a building until almost 300. Okay? They didn't have church bells in the original church. If they had anything like bells, it was like what Mike Frost talked about. I guarantee you every single one of them was intentionally blessing the people around them every single week. Every single one of them was intentionally, we know it's in the scripture, they were eating together. They were learning together. They were listening together. They were sending each other out and being sent out every single time. And I don't know about you, but that draws me to a church way more than them ringing bells. Am I the only one? I mean, it'd be cool if we had bells. Ding dong. Woohoo. Maybe we could even play music. Oh, he loves us. That'd be nice. But you know what really draws people to Jesus? People who live out the Jesus stuff every single day, not just at church, but they live it out. And that's what we mean by this. Would you say it one more time with me and say it for real? Ready? Here we go. Let those church bells ring. Today is our ministry fair. You probably noticed a lot of stuff going on out there. Here's my challenge to every single one of you this morning. Some of you are guests, first time. We're not putting any pressure on you or anybody else, but this is my invitation and my challenge. God has given every single one of you a gift. He's given you a spiritual gift. If you are a baptized believer of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a gift that you're supposed to be using. You need to find a way to use it. Maybe it's on one of those teams that exists. Maybe it's somewhere on that table that's given us new ideas. Maybe you're going to start a new ministry. Maybe you know of some needs in our community that we're not getting met. Maybe you know of some people that are getting overlooked, not on purpose, but it's happening. My challenge is today, take that super seriously. Let what happens out there be very intentional, very real, a first step in the direction of actually becoming more than ever, ever before exactly the church that God wants us to be and part of the generation that actually gets it and brings Jesus back. Is anybody else excited about that? I hope so. 
I genuinely think we can do this. I really do. Not us, but God through us. There's no reason that this can't be the generation that gets it right. Let's learn from the past. Let's learn from the spirit and from each other in real time. And let's do it. If you've got a first step to do that today, if you want to join our church, if you want to give your life to Jesus, anything else, come forward and pray. Make that public now. There'll be somebody standing there and back there, either one that feels comfortable to you. But we're going to stand, we're going to sing. And when this is over, now whatever you do privately or publicly in this room, when you go out there, take some time to make some choices about what you're going to do next. Let those bells ring.